Joel Griffin Dodd is an English-born world traveler slash nomad. He's lived on four continents, and he's finally settled down in Southern California. He's from a family of multi-generational spiritual healers and mediums, and he is of Irish descent. This has prompted him to seek out common denominators between Eastern and Western philosophies, pointing to the true nature of reality and the human experience. Joel is a friend. We chat often. We met on UFO Twitter, and here we go into some wild and crazy stuff, but it's good. Dig into some of the resources we spoke about. This won't be the last time that he and I talk, and if you have any questions, just hit us up. (laughs) (laughs) Your your camera looks good. No, that's just me. (laughs) That's just me, baby. That's my natural glow. Natural glow. Oh, my God. How are you, man? I'm good. How have you been? I mean, we've been trying to do this for... A year? Yeah. Well, at least. At least. I mean, the last time we chatted was like, oh, it was for that. I mean, you had your own channel back then, dude. That was like a year. Oh, it was like two years ago, at least, right? Like, yeah, I was, I I was pretty sure we, we'd done a show. We did did. do a show. We did do a show. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to Duncan Trussell on um, Lex Freeman. Uh, Oh, yeah. Did one like uh, a week back or so. I love Duncan Trussell. He is one of my favorite listens when he's on Rogan. Oh yeah. Um, oh god, I love it, man. He's good. He's but good. I, I, the thing I love about that the most is they always do fancy dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It's so, always uh, just like you know, like the the Fourth of July one. They're all like col- <laughs> colonial stuff. It was great, man. And that, you know, they get deep, you know, because they get stoned and they get deep into conversation and they just completely forgot that they have those um, costumes on. <laughs> like there was a time they were just like wizards at one time. It was like... I think there was one time when like Trussell was in like a full ghillie suit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was during COVID. I think it was during COVID, so he didn't get it. Mm. I love how it's like, we should do that. We should do yeah. that. And he's like, all right. And Rogan's like, I don't care. Let's do it. I think that's cool because you can tell they're actually friends, you know, like they're just, they're actually like friends, man. Like us, dude, we're friends. I mean, super yeah. bad. I mean, we've known each other for <laughs> a long time and, you know, we don't publicly interact all that much. I mean, it's a shit show that UFO Twitter is anyway. We try to like poke and prod at the seams and try to weave themes and, and narratives that aren't necessarily introduced. And dude, you came up with a list. Jeez. Yeah, I the only reason I did this was because there there are so many sort of interlocking parts to it all, and I mean you know what it's like when we're always trying to put things together, and you're looking at five things at a time, ten things at a time, twenty, thirty, yeah, like, yeah, and I mean I can't keep up with you guys half the time. <laughs> I can't. So I don't know. I I I don't know. I mean we've been doing some amazing research, but it always comes back to the most inconspicuous dark. things, dark thing. Yeah. They're really dark things, man. And it's just, you know, I mean, um, you know, John Luke and I spent a week at, at John Warner's house in DC and in Virginia. And, you know, we had like a whole entire week of like conversations that are just, uh, I mean, the, the most intense in depth, you know, you're, you're talking years, you know, 20 plus years of research uh, at minimum uh, out of all of us. And then you got mm. Warner who's done the deep, deep history drive and, and his family connections. And then, 
no matter what, it always gets back and it's always dark, man. No matter what, when it, whatever it, it always, it always happens that way. And it's just kind of like, well, yeah. uh, you know, what do you do, man? And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, think with Warner always... as well as like his perspective, his, uh, where he's been witnessing all of this stuff from is a very, very different place than most of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you can't say that he's not, uh, Ooh, that was a weird noise that that's uh, that he's not, you know, he's has his opinions, but they're well informed. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's been sitting in a place that very few of us uh, have have a view into in right. any way, shape or form uh, or ever will <laughs> or ever will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Like, he comes out the gate so hard with it. I think that's where um, I think it's where he probably loses a lot of people because they they just don't have the framework they don't have the background or any of the understanding that he has right and right. he just comes like a bull out you know like a bull out of the gate and yeah. just like whoa where's this guy coming from <laughs> so i'm not surprised that people yeah. were just like yeah yeah oh no and i get it man it's just that he you know like um it's hard because i mean like guys like john luke and i who have done the research you've you've been around you know delve deep into this whole thing can hang because we know you know we can we can have these conversations that normally you know like the conversations we have that most people can't normally have and i think that's needed you know and i think that there's going to be more of that needed if and when you know the ufo messiahs actually produce <laughs> a body or uh you know craft or whatever they're going to pop out of the out of the closet i think that you know there's there's going to be a lot more conversations there's going to be a lot of people that have nowhere to go and nowhere to talk to and um you know i just i think it's great that we can actually be there for each other as friends you know and then maybe the little things we do like this little podcast may help other people go hey I'm not alone or I have these yeah. thoughts too, or whatever. Oh, cool! I've been I've been looking into that my whole life. I just didn't know where that puzzle fit until now. And, dude, you know, I mean, we're there. And I think the the, the whole outline you dropped earlier is just you know let you know let you take the wheel. Don't let me uh, pull you back from any of that. And I know you wanted to do this. And thanks for coming on and like hanging out and. You know, um, yeah, I know you got some things you want to get off your chest, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really. Um, as as far as uh, as uh, the the whole the whole UFO world for me right now has become so. It it's a small part. It's a very small piece, right? Of 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 where my my viewpoint, I mean, my view has expanded so widely in ways that I never thought it would, um, and now. It, it's like that was the seed right that was the it was it the gateway was the, drug right we were, we were joking yeah. about that in the chat the other day it's like you know like ufos are the gateway drug right it's like hey have a hit of this and then uh oh wait a minute boom we're gonna go over all the way over here to consciousness and you know uh, all yeah uh, and and like i said the other day beings, I, was, you know? I was the last person that would end up in the youngin camp you know and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i said it and john luke's like just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, fine, whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being right. Stop being right all the time. Eh? No one thinks you. No one thinks you're clever. So well, we all we all think you're clever. We all think you're clever. We all think you're amazingly clever. No, I mean, like, but but like, how do you? You know, I, I think that when once you see past that part of it, you get into this deeper deeper part, and it's not like you automatically start believing in unicorns and, you know, fairy tales. It's, it's like, well, 
and once you realize that a the government's been lying to you for 75 years b um just through any type of any minute research you've ever done in your life can tell that there's a broader reality than we're being presented in, in any type of form anywhere on the planet you start to open in your mind to like a whole world of things that you know may not be po- may not be um possible or you know probable but there's a possibility there that 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 could be actual reality that could be what we are engaged with every single day and like you've done an amazing job putting this together and i'm i'm gonna let you go man if you want to touch on any of this stuff i mean there's so many concepts here that you've gone you know when we first you know (laughs) i hope i'm not airing dirty laundry but when we first got into a chat together with our group that we have you know, you were on the one side where like none of this shit is possible. You know, I don't believe any of this shit at all. It's it's nuts, you know, nuts and bolts, not necessarily, but like you were kind of on the and correct me if I'm, you know, saying anything incorrect here, but like you were just kind of like, this is all bullshit. And you guys are on, you know, what are you guys sniffing to like, well, I can kind of see where all this shit <laughs> is going. Right. I mean, is that kind of did I phrase that right? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's so difficult to put into words. I, right. right. Just be all the all of these cuts. Like, I, it, 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 it. that's it. I've been framed. I've been framed. That's how most of it. my that's how most of my damn shows are. Anyway, you got to cut out all the shit we're not allowed to talk about or supposed to talk about. But yeah. So I was I was just like trying to. I was in the car on the way home, thinking, okay, you know, we got to do the show, get together, and you know, I haven't done any shows for a long time. I I've been trying to just stay off of that circuit and um read just read and read and read as much as i could and um and you know what it's like as soon as you start doing that you you get this book and this book talks about this one thing and you're like well i haven't heard of that thing and then they'll mention a book by an author they'll cite some other thing and before you know it it's just this infinite expanding network this tree of branches that they just start flying off all over the place and and your your book (laughs) your to read list it's just like the empire state building yeah yeah no it's that's it man and then you're like well where did this all come from and then you try to boil it down well you know and i think we do a lot of really good stuff in our group i mean because we have a lot of people that kind of know that have already maybe one step up removed or ahead or behind of that curve and it's kind of like and we're really good at researching and going oh wait what about this boom and putting these things together and it's amazing the kind of the things we've come up with you know i mean yeah and then you find one link (laughs) And you go, ah! He's like, oh, I didn't. Why did I read that? It's like, I'm not going to sleep for two months now. And I can't. Yeah. But who am I going to tell? You guys. I'm going to tell you guys. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you get to the point where I think you're so deep into this stuff where you've gone like so far out there that your options are to, you know, talk to the small group of people who are following a similar path or basically the author of the book who died. (laughs) Or your psychologist or your psychologist. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can't talk to anybody else about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, A lot, a lot of therapy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've always had an interest in Eastern philosophies Mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, all, all the, all the way back when when I started sort of poking my head into ideas around you know what uh, paranormal and uh, you know UFO stuff is is this idea that look these philosophies these religions uh, they've been around for thousands upon thousands of years right right and they're pretty well documented and the documentation has been pretty well preserved so I feel like it'd be really really foolish to not take them into account. 
I mean, there's got there's got to be stuff there, you know. This isn't just people all getting high and making shit up and then spending <laughs> days coughing them into tablets for no apparent reason, <laughs> you know. Right, 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 right. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like the base. I mean, and if you go with the whole um, cargo cult, yeah, you know that premise that at least the secret machines book, Lavinda and you know DeLong are going with, where if you base it all off of the cargo cult, where they experience something significant enough like you said to be able to document it you know people right spend their life documenting or preaching it or whatever right i mean it had to be such of an experience and like pulsalka you go right to that now who's like going right to the other end where where that's what we're seeing now it's the cult Mm -hmm. of the ufo right i mean it's just another religion that doesn't have a name yet you know or does maybe i don't know but that's yeah she did a she did a brilliant job of kind of drawing the parallels with that, all the, the iconography, mm-hmm. the sacred locations, the artifacts. I mean, she, she really just like listed it out, bang, 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 bang. And um, I think the first time I read the book, I was very much kind of new, reasonably new as far as taking an objective standpoint to, to the subject. So I read that book like I think a lot of people did. It was like, well, this is kind of cool. They're out and they're – Go into crash sites and they're finding pieces and they're, you know, this guy's from NASA and he seems really high up and he knows what he's doing. Special, special, uh, uh, special uh, metal detectors, metal detectors that, you know, yeah. so I've been researching that. I'm like, fucking special metal detector, man. <laughs> I know. It's like, unless there's something huh. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's metal, right? I mean, yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, and then you go down that whole line where, I mean, you, you're right. The bullet points line right up, right? It's like all of the religious aspects of it there. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's almost frightening. Well, you realize when you read the book, I think the second time, and you've got a, a better perspective, you realize, no, this woman embedded herself with these people. Mm-hmm. She embedded herself with believers the way any good investigative journalist does. Right. And because of her speciality, she was able to see through a lens that most people can't see. You know, she has this amazing foundation and understanding of not only religion um, from a belief standpoint, right. but she understands it from a structural standpoint. Right. Sort of how they come to be, what they look like, how they're organized. And then you start to realize she's like, she's literally saying, no, this is a religion. You guys don't, you're not listening to what I'm saying. Right. Um, and that was a real eye opener for me because it, it kind of really started me off down the lines of, of understanding belief systems. Ah, okay. And, and watching how belief systems, um, you know, affect people. It doesn't matter that you're a, an admiral in the Navy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have personal belief systems. And, yeah. um, you know, if your religion is very important to you um, and you feel like it is, uh, you know, a moral guide, then you are going to bear it in mind when you make key decisions. Yeah. yeah. And this is, this that's, you know, that's not to be mocked or or, or looked at in, in any kind of uh non-serious way i mean it, it, mm-hmm. it's a real thing that happens and has happened throughout the entire history of the world right uh, so it, it's a big deal um but we in america anyway we we try to just because of the the enormity of the whole separation of church and state we try to i think we tend to as a society gl- uh, glaze over 
not everybody, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of glossing over of the whole separation between church and state where you'll have but then you have some political uh you know people in politics that'll run on you know uh, basically religious tickets and I, I don't and I wouldn't even say that it was a ticket but it's like you know they have the backing of this religious institution whatever that is right they have this mm-hmm. this this type of backing where there's you know the congregation whatever the believers of whoever well he's a you know he's a christian so whatever or you know this person's a muslim so they're already put into a different box than the christians and then you know you, you already have that uh categorization anyway but i think in america with the 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 original premise was like, Hey, let's separate that shit. Right. This is the church and this is the state. But like you said, yeah. it, ble- it bleeds over to even a personal decision on so many levels that it's, it's, you can't separate the two. Right. There's no way. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the wording, it's separate of church and state. It's not separation of um, belief or moral values and state. There you go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's no secret that, uh, you know, America was founded by people that were sick of the shit that, uh, people from my country uh we're doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well <Muzzle> especially <laughs> right <laughs> yeah hey <laughs> fuck you brits <laughs> um but uh, they were tired of the church they were tired of the church having so much influence over the decisions that were being made right um, right so i think it's you know it's kind of important to look at that detail and say yeah separation of church and state, but that doesn't mean that the the you know the forefathers, the founding fathers of the country, and many many influential uh, decision makers are of course going to be um, they're going to be guided by their faith because they see it as their uh, moral foundation that keeps right. them you know on the straight and narrow. So right. uh, oh, yeah. I think it's a bit a bit naive to yeah a bit naive to think that that wouldn't be the case. Right. But then, it, you know, all of this does play into the, everything we're talking about in, in terms of uh, any type of political influence that any of the UFO um, topic has over throughout the years. I mean, we've heard, you know, we've been berated with how many times we've been heard from the talking heads that said that, you know, somebody higher up didn't want to look into UFOs because it was demonic, right? It was, mm. it was evil. And, you know, we don't want to look into that, you know, and, and I, and I look at all of that from uh, a two-sided mirror, right? In my, my perspective, I'm, anytime I've ever presented with any type of that information, I go, well, really? I mean, what happens if, what if we just turn that all the way around and look at it from the other way? I mean, what, what's the truth here? I mean, like we're getting one side of the story per se, but you know, what does that really mean? Is, is that really happening? Is, you know, or is right. it like you said, the influence of, of one person's moral beliefs, or is there a more directed concerned effort from a larger group, you know, that may have a larger influence that we are unaware of inside of these institutions that are, you know, maybe pulling, pulling uh, the triggers on money or donations or something like that, that are, you know, putting these people into positions where they're at. Is that part of it? You know, is the complete opposite of what they're telling you, you know, it's, it's never it's never simple no I mean, you know people are always trying to boil things down to you know little quick headlines or snippets or memes um i mean i the article that i wrote the like cowboys and ufos versus the uh, mic yes um i i had a whole section in there that i'd written about the collins elite or the mm-hmm. concept of the collins elite right um but as I, I looked at it more, I was like, yeah, you know, I hear this come up a lot. It's a very interesting perspective. But outside of Nick Redfern's book, 
I was like, where, where is the, where is the evidence for this? Where, where is the meat that really supports these concepts outside of the idea that it sounds like a plausible thing. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I just decided to drop it from the article. I just didn't feel like there was enough weight to it. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, other people talk about it. It's been brought up. Um, you know, I know like Elizondo was, said multiple times that he was frustrated inside when he was inside and he'd just come up against uh, too much religious pushback. Right. So I, and I think everyone jumped to the cons elite thing on that. And I'm like, yeah, is it though? Yeah. yeah, So I think you got to be careful with that stuff. Right. Oh yeah. And hmm. you do, but I mean, it's, you know, I I think it's, you know, we never talk about what do they always say? You never talk about politics or religion in public, right? Because you're going to piss somebody off no matter what, right? And those are the yeah. those those are the hot topics, and you know those cross into ufology and whatever else constantly. But people are still even people that are used to speaking about fringe topics or, or things that are that you normally wouldn't have at a dinner dinner conversation. You know, still do not want to bring up religion or politics in the middle of this stuff, and. It's, it's, uh, I think it's needed, but you know, why though? I mean, some of the topics you're talking about here, and I, and I don't want to get away from them, but I mean, like, they fold into to matters that, you know, transcend those things completely. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it's a good enough segue when you're talking about uh, people expressing things that they have uh, deep belief in they've had profound experiences, then of course that's a very passionate thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, one of the things that I've been wrestling with over the last couple of years and really trying to get my head into is that let's let's take a bunch of steps back from any particular topic that you want to talk about that involves something that is profound or something that, you know, really challenges your sense of reality Mm -hmm. Um, and there are many things that can fit into those categories. And I think anyone who's done a decent amount of research into any kind of paranormal or, or unusual experience uh, field starts coming across a lot of the same examples uh, uh, over and over. Uh, you know, and as long as you're not one of these guys that says, well, I only research Bigfoot, you know, and I, I don't pay any attention to um, apparitions of uh, the Virgin Mary. You know, right, right, I, right. I don't think there's many researchers that that are that hardcore. Um, they they they're quite open minded, and they say, "Well, you know, are there links here?" You're always looking to find connections, right? That's what makes good research. Um, but for me, I try to really like come all the way back out of it, and because my interest in Eastern philosophies and and Buddhism, especially over the years. I really sort of tried to start from a place of, you know, what is reality? Mm -hmm. And that for me is like, if you can't start wrapping your head around that, then I think you're building the rest of your pyramid of data on a faulty foundation. Mm. So that, that's a, I mean, (laughs) or we just start off with, uh, We'll just start off with what is reality. (laughs) I'm, I'm not even halfway into my first beer. I brought the whole Mm. bottle down. (laughs) Right. So let's get that one out of the way. Um, I've really been enjoying the work of people like, uh, like Donald Hoffman, 
for example, great book, The Case Against Reality, where he makes this fantastic, very compelling argument that um, what we witness uh, and what we call reality is nothing, you know, it's nothing more than a sense, uh, uh, a range of signals that come to you from five quite limited senses. Mm -hmm. And we've proven that to ourselves through our advancements in technology. You know, we realize that the human ear can only hear from, well, depending on how old you are. (laughs) Yeah, for me. Not much, <laughs> right? And you know, if if uh, especially if when my wife's yelling at me, I don't hear any of that. <laughs> if the wife's giving you a hard time, it's oh man, it drops down to a real low, yeah. low range. Um, Can't hear that but, part. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. But you know, your 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 vision, you only see a very small slit of the electromagnetic spectrum, and right. so on and so on. So we have a very very limited range of experience, and. Uh, if I I had someone give a break a great breakdown of it, so think uh, think about yourself in a completely black void, a vacuum. Uh, there is you. There's nothing for you to touch. There's nothing for you to smell or taste. Nothing for you to hear. Nothing for you to see. So complete sensory deprivation. Try and imagine yourself at that place. Mm-hmm. Now introduce sound. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're starting to get some sense of your place in that void. Something is loud. It feels closer. If you have stereo sound, then you've got some kind of positional mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. coordinates that you can put together. Um, okay, so next let's introduce smell. Well, now you have two points of data, and if there are if there are smells associated with things as they come closer or go further away – you're starting to build another more complex image. Right. You introduce sight, you introduce the other senses, and you've gone just in those five steps. <laughs> those five steps. Five. Mm, five, five. Um, <laughs> um, from, still your first beer, right? <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's very strong. It's uh, like four and a half percent. Not a lightweight, honest. <laughs> Wait till the end of the interview. <laughs> So we've gone from <laughs> we've gone from absolute void to describing our entire human experience in only five steps. Right. And that's pretty wild. It really kind of puts it into context for you. Especially when you look at some of the stuff that, you know, I mean, I've seen Grant Cameron kind of tip me up to the stuff that uh they're doing that the kids that are seeing blindfolded, right? Have you got yeah. you seen any of that stuff? They're blindfolded like the and they're, you know, people they're mindful they call them right so they got the the kid that he had on there that had they you know, like taped his eyes shut they literally taped it shut and they put this thing on there and they had sensors in there and they know that there's no light in and this kid's getting in, in in a car and he's driving around wow i haven't seen that one or, i saw they, the ones yeah where they driving, sense color color with, with their, touch yeah color with touch yeah yeah they have that and you know the other all the other things where they put them on a bicycle and they ride a bicycle through an obstacle course they've never seen before or hand them a book they've never read before and the kids can read a book like oh, you, should, you should be taking that kid to vegas why you why, why is he driving around a parking lot get, i know right get, get him, him out, out of the there table yeah like, what does that guy's card say yeah. <laughs> go go over there sit next to the roulette table and sniff the wheel mm-hmm. sniff the wheel buddy don't tell yeah. me where it's gonna land <laughs> 
but I mean, like you're saying, though, we have no idea of anything. I mean, we we perceive, we turn on these senses and we think that's it, you know, and there's all of that stuff. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, the animals that we kill and eat, for, you know, can see an infrared. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yet, you know? <laughs> it doesn't matter how many steaks I eat, I still can't see an infrared. What the yeah, hell is yeah, up with that? What's up with that? But yeah. I'm supposed, that, to, be, I'm supposed to be consuming your power. <laughs> <laughs> people still believe that in some parts of the world, you know, I mean, they you still know, kill rhinoceroses to eat their horns and it's a damn shame. Yes. You know? I mean, that's, that's yeah. Horny horn. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you're right. Objective reality is objective. I mean, your reality is completely different from mine than, uh, than any, you know, anybody else's, but we have the, we have the shared collective um, consciousness, right? Right. Right. Or this, and, or this or this matrix or whatever you want to call it. Right. We we share that. This is a microphone. That's a microphone. This is a shirt. You know, I mean, we, we know these things or we can at least project them into our own reality. But then where does the, the weird shit come into play? Right. Right. So you've got this collective uh, you've got a collective um, subjective reality. Right. And I think that's the first key point that it's important to point out at least to follow us down the, the route that we're going to take here is that the idea that when you turn off the computer game, um, all of the items that existed inside that game just continue to exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a great analogy for thinking about the way that potentially we, we look at the universe and that, that is certainly the ideas that are communicated through some of these very, very ancient philosophies that have been around for a long time. Um, and they communicate them in these very beautiful poetic ways, you know, like we're, where we're just dreaming our existence or, um, you know, um, in the beginning there was the word, you know, that the idea that uh, if God looked away for even a second, that we, we would all cease to exist. And these are all the same examples Right. of this idea that um, our reality only really exists because we witness it existing. Mm -hmm. Right. And the idea of an objective reality in this model requires us all to just basically agree on our subjective realities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if the more people agree, then the more it hardens into this uh, consistent sort of coherent space. Right, right. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, and then Hoffman does a great job of, of basically saying, because we have this limited set of senses and because they have a limited range of, uh, of experience, then there's a, good, there's a good chance that maybe earlier in our development that perhaps we could see more. Oh, yeah. Perhaps we could hear more and, and so on and so on. But because we need to survive and the, the human body is a, is, it's just, it's a survival machine, right? Right, right. It, the, the only function of the human body is to stay alive long enough to fuck so <laughs> we can make some more human bodies um, and then just die and get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do when you grow up, Joel? Well, <laughs> I already did it. <laughs> I'm you out. and I, we, you and I are just redundant now. It's just like, nah, did what you're supposed to do. Like, get out the way because <laughs> evolution has got a job to do. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, if you if you can't eat it, fuck it. Uh, have to fight it or run away from it. 
there, there isn't much point in it showing up in, in your senses. <laughs> so how do you do that? To, where you put the UFO in that position? <laughs> exactly, wow. right. Exactly. That's the question, right? Why, right, right? Where does that fit? Why does that show up on the radar? Because it doesn't. Uh, I think it shows up because it doesn't, right? So then there's that thing. So then it automatically takes you away from all of those right. prelim- preliminary aspects of your reality and go and you go, well, well, that's not part of the puzzle. I mean, that's not part of my reality that I can put into to words. And a lot of people just go and, they, you know, the wheels just spin out and they take off or they go down the whole rabbit hole of, you know, the. Uh, you know, the shame and the ridicule that the Robinson commission, you know, the panel did back in the fifties that are just like, you're a crazy lunatic. You know, if you, if you see any of these things, you're, you're nuts and you need to get your head examined. Right. So nobody wants to bring that up or talk about it. But like you said, in all the Eastern traditions, it's welcome. It's like, Oh, great. You saw the great fireball in the sky. Thank you. Come to our bonfire later. We're going to talk all about it. Right. Because they've built into their culture, a space. Right. for this for this to exist um and they haven't uh, taken a, there's so much about um eastern to eastern eastern tradition i swear this is just my first beer <laughs> <laughs> uh eastern traditions and shamanic uh, shamanic traditions shamanic uh, traditions correct yeah uh, south america as well they have a place for um what uh, you know, symptoms, symptoms, I hate, ugh, that's a bad word, mm. but for um, experiences that we would particularly usually put into the category of like schizophrenia, mm-hmm, right. um, they look at that as a potential future shaman, especially mm. if it manifests in a child. Mm. And they will take that child and place that child with the shaman. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people go on in many cases to become fully functional members of that community because it isn't ostracized. <clears throat> right. They, they're not labeled as wrong or broken or insane. Right. And I think that's very important, not just because it sounds kind of cool from a social standpoint, but I, I think that when we're talking about this shared agreed upon subjective reality, that they, they, they in, they include the possibility in everybody's mind in that village or that that community that there is a validity to the subjective experience of that person that has a place. Um, right, right, in in the community, and it's valued. It's yes, it's, it's it's not like you said. It's not shunned. It's not broken. It's it's a it's a place of value. And like you said, if they don't work out to be a shaman they're still a member of the community. They're still, you know, they, they still found the, they have, and you know, maybe that's all the push they need to either embrace whatever they're dealing with or let go of it, you know? And maybe that's, you know, maybe, you know, we always try to solve everything, you know, and, and mm. to, to our detriment, I think at some part in, in the Western world where, where, you know, you just look at modern medicine. Oh, you got a, you know, um, eczema, we're going to give you pills for the rest of your life. And it's going to go away. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. Right. Okay, cool. Or, you know, whatever. We always have to have a formula or a recipe or a, or a prescription to, to solve every type of thing where, you know, like you're saying, a lot of the Eastern traditions look at it from a holistic or spiritual or a whole other 
whatever you want to call it bucket of, Hey, this is kind of what happens. We just kind of do this. And most of the time it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, but you know, uh, yeah, they frame it in a way where they try and look at the relationship between the condition, the person, um, instead of just like, yeah, like you say, isolating it to a thing that doesn't have any relationship to anything else. Right. Um, I think we're one really of the good at that mistake. as Americans. We're good at that as Americans. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the, we are really good at that. It's like it's this or that, and that's it. <laughs> I, I think it's just the Western civilization. At some yeah. point, they decided to stand up and say, "Look, that's all uh, superstition and, and bullshit, and it's it's primitive, and we're not going to pay any attention to it. It doesn't fit into the scientific method. We want to be able to uh, prove things." Do it in a you know in a in a way where I can take my method, send it to you on the other side of the world. You can reproduce my method, get the same results, and we'll say, okay, that's real. Right, and that obviously has value in it in the method itself. If it didn't, we wouldn't have all kinds of incredible breakthroughs that we have today. Of course, but but the sterility of it, and you know, we can kind of come back around to this a little bit later on. I think we've lost a massive. Um, a massive amount of value in sterilizing everything right. and requiring it to to fit into this tiny box. Right. And while it works for many things in the material world, um, and 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 at an immediate level, good luck applying that to, you know, why did I have a, a, an experience the other night that doesn't fit into any other paradigm that 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 my culture allows for and except so in, for except for religion and i'm going to stop you yeah. because, because there's there's where it comes into play right so you can mm -hmm. have that experience if it's tied to a religious type of um connotation where mm. you know the voice i heard came coming to me was god speaking to me right or it was the angels that came to me from a pie or the devil was trying to influence me or something like that and i'm just using the Abrahamic religions right right now but you know the jinn whatever you can you can frame it in anything you want to in any type of religion but if you put it into that connotation people might still who are not religious or part of that religion go eh uh, maybe but you know people that are full blooded into that and you know I'm a you know whatever religion I am and I believe all this stuff is canon then that's an experience that you have and that's that fits into the thing, and maybe you're touched by the angels or God or something like else, right? But it's all like you said, a frame of reference, right? So, if if you don't have any of that, or you don't, if you're not privy to it or believe in that, you fall outside of you're an outlier, right? Look at the chokehold, though. Yeah, um, it's like, oh, the, here is your accepted frame of reference. <laughs> so you you cannot say it's any any other thing. You could only say it's these things. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's what a belief system is, right? It's a chokehold right. that says, ah, oh, you aren't going to be thinking about anything outside of this. Uh, by the way, if you do, well, it's not going to work out good for you. So right, fall in right. line. Yeah. That's, to me, that's terrifying. It and, is, but that's been happening for thousands of years based on the, pretty much the Vatican and the Catholic Church. Yeah, the history, wars. history of the world. History right. of the world, really. Right. Um, really, yeah, you're right. But in the last 2,000 years, anyway, we'll talk about that, you know. <laughs> but but yeah. isn't, in those circumstances, you start to wonder, it's like, okay, 
if you take if you take away all of those control mechanisms, um, then you absolutely have to acknowledge the the negative consequences of that. Right. And a l- large amounts of our society are built around rules, uh, yes. agreed upon rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but just coming back to the agreed sort of subjective realities, we for some reason we we don't accept the idea of agreed upon realities it's just like no there's just one reality and it exists almost completely separate from you it's like you you don't have a relationship with it i mean it's kind of here to beat you around the head or or chase you through the forest and kill you or you can go out fishing in it but that you don't have a relationship to it you are this like separate object right and in Buddhism, you know, sort of one of the key tenets of Buddhism is you have to let go of the illusion that you are separate from everything else. Right. And in the West, that is so alien mm-hmm. to us as as a concept because it's very easy from a materialistic from a material standard point to just say, well, I'm walking around, I'm separate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have my I own mean, thoughts. I am doing my own thing. I mean, nobody's telling me what to do. And yeah. Yeah. I'm not like stuck to anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see how people look at that and say, nah, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Stop. You, you get into woo. You're, you're, you're flying out there already, yeah. but that's because we've been brought up in a culture that doesn't, uh, entertain that or, or give you any kind of scaffolding to wrap your head around. Um, we were talking about the senses before, right? Right. And the idea, I mean, there's, I, you could walk down the street and just pick any kind of random person and say, do you think your eyes work like video cameras? Like, you know, I mean, in school, you did the whole basic biology thing, and there was the yeah. eyeball, and the so. Oh, this is the lens. In the lens of the cornea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the light comes in and signals, and they go to your brain. So people have this idea that your eyes are like video cameras, mm-hmm. but they're not at all. That's not even close to the way your eyes work. Your eyes send data to your brain. They go through a pretty considerable filtering and buffering system. Mm-hmm. Where your brain is always looking to do the the, the brain the, the the entire anatomy is looking to do the most work with the least amount of energy, right? Right. right. That that is that is how nature works. It is always looking to be the most efficient it can be. Mm-hmm. So over time, your brain builds up a library of sort of pre-approved visual models of things. And in a way, it is kind of trying to predict what's going to happen next mm-hmm. when you're looking out into the world. And if something, if nothing changes from the prediction, your brain doesn't bother taking in that new information. It just, it just bypasses it, yeah, right? It's yeah. just like, yeah, I thought, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh, I knew that was going to happen. And, and that's where that's where a lot of the illusionists and things come in because a lot of people right. from all throughout time have figured out the sleight of hand things or like you know you keep you can you can play inside those spaces where you're talking about where your brain can't process this because you know and it's believe it or not it's a scientific study that has been done for thousands of years ago your brain is processing this part over here and it, and if it's at so many frames per second it can't pick up this motion or this thing or whatever and people can do things right in front of you where your brain just tosses it out. It's yeah. literally right in front of you and you just 
There's a fantastic um, example, and you can see it online. I just think I think it's called like the Invisible Gorilla Experiment, something like that. Uh, you can find it on YouTube if you look for it. Um, so it, it's just a still camera, and there's uh, sorry, six people in the camera frame, and they're all throwing uh, a ball backwards mm -hmm. and forwards to each other. I think there's like six people, three balls, mm -hmm. and they're just generally just touching a ball backwards and forwards and catching it. Halfway through the video, a guy in a gorilla suit walks right through the middle of everybody. Now, apparently about 50% of people, the first time they watch that video. Don't see it. They don't see the guy in a gorilla <laughs> suit. Now, as soon as you tell them there's a guy in a gorilla suit that walks through the video, they watch it again and they see it. Right. And that it's an amazing experiment to witness because if you see it and you're one of those people that, does pick up on the guy in the gorilla suit. It's like a six foot dude in a gorilla suit. He walks right through the frame. And it's, it's, so it's unbelievable to you. And this is really important, right? In my experience that I just had, I saw that guy in the gorilla suit like you. And this is where, this is where the visceral responses come in. It's like, are you fucking blind? <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy in a giant gorilla suit <laughs> and then there's the other 50 percent of the people will say what are you talking about i didn't see there was no guy in that gorilla suit and then they all you know proceed to beat each other to death with <laughs> sticks and rocks but it's a perfect example of a, a subjective experience so it it there are scientific Right. Uh, studies and methods and papers out there. And like you say, people have learned how to take advantage of these things, even just for a stagecraft for, for fun. Right. Or if you get, if you, I mean, you can go into the marketing and I know you maybe have some experience in that where, you know, the subliminal messages or, or some of the yeah. cognitive, cognitive um, symbology and marketing, you know, um, will uh, apply pressure to, different parts of your brain that you didn't even know what's going on. Well, I see this and oh boy, I want that, right? I want this thing or I want that oh, yeah. experience or whatever. And I mean, you can talk way more about it than I have. And I don't, I, and if you don't want to go there, I, I'm sorry if I push that button, but. Yeah, no, 20, 20 years in, in marketing and advertising and uh, I get this little twitch every time <laughs> someone brings it up. God! Yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, people don't know about that side. I mean, I think it's a really good thing that you've, you've, you've been mm -hmm. there, you've lived that. I mean, and you, I mean, uh, there's examples that the latest example, I'm a car guy. And the latest example that I know of recently was there's uh, I think it was a formula one racer and I could be wrong, but it was, um, you know, if I think it was formula one, it was a really fast car and, you know, they outlawed cigarette brands from advertising, you know, for, uh, I, uh -huh. I don't know if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong about this or not, whatever, but the way they created this, um, graphic on the side of this Formula One car or this fast car, whatever it is, was that at high speeds, it would basically have like the Marlboro logo or something on it, right? Or wow. you, you would basically see it, right? Yeah. At, at high speeds because this car is going 120 miles an hour, right? But like right. if you looked at it, it was just a bunch of stripes. Right. But if you but if the car is moving at 120, it's like blatantly right. the, the, the Marlboro logo, right? And you're like... With and, the refresh rate of the camera, right. the frames versus the speed, that's... 
See, that's fucked up. That's that's that's, that's why that's I got a, out of advertising. That's like well. recently. That's like this is the past couple of years where they're, they're like, you can't do yeah. that shit. Somebody figured out was like, nah, man, that's you can't do that. So that's like <laughs> twenty twenty, you know, twenty nineteen, eighteen, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, it's been going on since the forties, thirties, whatever, right? I mean, oh, it was, it was absolutely. Sword history of that. I mean, my dad's eighty two. And, you know, he told me stories was like, well, yeah, you know, before it came a big deal, you know, you'd be sitting at a pot, you'd be sitting at, because everybody went to to the movies, right? The theater, they'd sit there and they'd watch all the news and everything at the theater and, and all this stuff. And he's like, everybody would be sitting there and all of a sudden everybody would get up and go get a Coke. And he'd be like, I love that story. Yeah. yeah." And he's like, nobody would know why. And it's true. And it's true. And they would just throw like one, like one frame or two frames of a Coke, you know, somebody poured a Tyler Durden style, right? Yeah. But he, but dad said it was real. (laughs) It was like, everybody would get up and go get popcorn. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then they, I guess somebody <laughs> caught on to it in the 50s, like late 50s, early 60s, were like, you can't do that. It's like subliminal messaging, right? I can't believe that. I, I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. still going on. Oh, I mean, yeah. But you've Absolutely. been involved in it. I want to hear from you. I want to know some of this stuff. I'm sorry to derail you, but I mean, that's <laughs> that's some shit I'm interested in. No, I mean, I don't think they do. I mean, I'm sure there are people that like to experiment with ideas around that. You don't need to do subliminal messaging anymore because people have gotten so good at crunching data and looking at demographics and behavioral patterns, all that kind of stuff. Ah. That you, yeah, you can use verbiage and you can use colors and tones and uh, different types of photography that are just going to appeal to the psychological, yeah, the typical psychological profile. So, wow. But being in those meetings, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work for some of the world's top advertising agencies. Um, over the years and I've had the privilege of being in the room to, you know, to see the creative process. And as a young man, you know, you think, oh yeah, it's cool. Look at me. I'm, I'm doing a great job and so on and so on. But then as you get a little bit older, um, I, one example, and this actually was kind of one of the things that really started cr- putting the crack, creating that fissure <laughs> for me. Right. Um, I used to do a lot of freelance work. So my agent would say, okay, you know, be this company, at uh, this time, I got a job for you, like three-day contract or whatever. Right. So I turn up, and I got to this place, and um, m- all my agent told me was, yeah, they uh, they create games and puzzles and, uh, you know, challenging things to help kids in um, kindergarten and play groups, and they and they donate them. They, they have corporate sponsors. They create this stuff, and they donate them. I thought, well, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that's oh, pretty sounds- right. Yeah, yeah altruistic. Right. Yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I went along. I sat down. This was in South Africa in Cape Town. And um I got there and they started showing me the product. <laughs> I shit you not. The like the jigsaw puzzle would be like a, a McDonald's logo or an IBM logo. Or so it was corporate logos made into kids' games. And then they're donating them to kindergarten kids. So they're literally, this is, this is MK ultra shit. (laughs) So it's like a, it's like a beautiful, it's like a bunch of uh, ducks running around and it's, but it's just like a McDonald's logo and and like, it wasn't even ducks. It was just the fucking logo. (laughs) (laughs) So they're imprinting these kids with these corporate brands. Like, yeah, get them while they're young. A little three-year-old Timmy there, you know. There you go. What's this? What's this say, Timmy? Raytheon. You know, <laughs> <laughs> look, it's a plane. <laughs> oh my God, Lockheed Martin <laughs> dropping bombs on your moms. 
<laughs> and I looked at it and I just stood up and I just walked out. I was like, oh my uh, yeah. God. not today, not wow. today. So that right. happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it happens. Wow. Right. I mean, that's just not even being, the, that's not even trying to be sneaky. That's just fucking doing yeah. it. Yeah. That's just doing it. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. So, oh, yeah. Wow. And but so I mean, it, but, it but, but circling back to like our, our senses and like our range of like, we figured out early on those f- those liminal frames that we encompass, right? Those that's mm-hmm. we are as humans, we're basic, uh, you know, b- building blocks are A, B, C, and D, and we know that we can hear in this spectrum, we can see in this spectrum, we can feel, and we can taste, and you know, sense and smell all of you know the five, and we can manipulate the hell out of those at any time we want to for at least half of the population, if not more, at will, right. Um, and when you look at it like that, you realize that going back to so, some of these uh, Eastern, e- these Eastern philosophies and, and lessons, they basically say in in what was deemed to be a very un- unscientific way. And I, I love it when you know cutting edge uh, physics collides with like two thousand year old uh, philosophies. This <laughs> is like, yeah. We told you that. <laughs> You're like, oh. yes, but you didn't say it in, um, you know, in math that takes up 17 chalkboards. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. we just put it in a poem. I mean, it, quantum it entanglement. Yeah, it could be anywhere at the same time. Yeah, you know, and and one of the things is the is is literally the 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 concept that you create your reality. Right. And it, we, you do in a very, very literal way. You take all of this data in from your senses and you create everything that you experience in your mind. I'm doing it for me right now. You're doing it for you. And the more people agree on something, then the more solid it becomes. Right. But, but from a cultural level, and you know, as we explored before in the shamanic cultures they have a place for a certain type of experience and because it's agreed upon within the community then it doesn't turn into this uh, negative right 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 it's more it's not even it's almost a positive and eh, i mean i don't know i, I maybe i caution saying it's positive but it, it at least has a, a place at the table it has a play yeah exactly it's a beautiful way of saying that they have a, a support system for it Right, uh, right within right. their culture um yeah so and then where and like so when we when you get to the idea of the buddhism and tulpas and things like that where your thought mm. a tulpa is a thought form right and john right. luke i give john luke all the credit in the world because he, he he taught me all about tulpas and and how that happens where you know your thought actually becomes a a manifestation of and it becomes a reality at some point it's it's its own entity it leaves you and it becomes its own uh it's the shit way to say it but it's its own living breathing thing aside from you apart from you right 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 you're already struggling right because yeah yeah, because it's hard to put it into words that people will understand but it's 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 a yeah but if you do that like on you said like on a cultural scale or a national scale or a global scale the solidity of that is is uh astounding right so if you get enough people to believe that the sky on mars is blue it's red 
right? And that's all right. the pictures you've ever been shown in your entire life. The Mars, the sky on Mars is red because the planet's red and it doesn't reflect any light and refraction. And and the reason the sky is blue on Earth is because we have a lot of water and it, you know, it bounces off, right? And but but that's why the sky is blue, and that's what we know, right? Well, is that real? Or is it because that's the consolidated thought from a global scale that we've been uh, positioned to believe? So yes and yes, right? Because right. and again, you start falling back into this question of what you know, what is real? So, all right. So we've kind of established the idea that all right, everything you experience is kind of rendered like a video game, you know. And this is where people love to dance, uh, dive straight into the idea of simulation theory. And I, I think there's a lot of valid uh, thoughts around simulation theory. I hate the phrase simulation because it infers all kinds of other stuff um, that, that there has to be another above making the simulation. Right. So right, it's right. a poor so choice it, of it, words. It, it actually devoids you of having any personal responsibility at some point is how I feel. Yeah, Where, there's no agency. There's no yeah, personal yeah. agency. There. There's no, no, it's just like somebody else is rolling the the control stick, and I'm just a, 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 a you know non-player character running around in a in a game, right? Yeah, or yeah, or not necessarily non-player character, but I just I don't subscribe to the idea that there is another thing out there creating this thing that we're experiencing, right? Um, and I, it'll it'll make more sense later on. But we can acknowledge at least the idea that the idea of an objective reality isn't what it isn't the way we treat it in society. Let's say that right. uh, you you can't say it's not real because of course it's going to go out and stick a fork in your hand right now. It's going to feel very real to you. Yeah, stick it um, in the light socket. That'll be a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> Maybe you'll see some tulpas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll create some tulpas, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, but that kind of sort of starts bringing me to my point of, you know, what is real is kind of um, is what affects you mm-hmm. and what makes you react, right? That's what reality is. And you don't have to start defining it in any other way. I think in the West, uh, especially from a materialist standpoint, we're very far away from understanding the true nature of reality. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start looking at these more ancient viewpoints, they at least start nibbling around the edges of a definition, which seems like it's just, it's a little more accurate, um, but it takes a lot more mental power, especially if you've come up in a culture that doesn't even entertain these concepts, you've really got to kind of like, push yourself out of it for a second and, and try to start thinking in different ways. Well, well, UFOs uh, do that for, well, I mean, I could see that in, in, all right. So just personal experience. Right. So like I grew up, my dad saw UFO young, you know, early knew it was real. Multiple people saw another one, knew it was real. So I grew up my entire life believing it was real because of my dad's influence on me. He was like, no, UFOs are real. And, you know, yeah, they're telling you they're, they're not. And yeah, people, there's a stigma, you know, there's this whole thing they're saying that right. you're crazy and all this stuff, but like, they're real, right? Like, I know they're real. I'm not bullshitting you. I'm your dad. I'm, you know what I mean? Like for whatever his experience was good, bad, or indifferent, right? That's how he felt. Right. So if you have that part of objective reality ingrained in you, or at least instilled in you, like say you could be from an, 
it would be the same thing coming from an, uh, you know, an Eastern culture, right? That, you know, there's a place for this at the table. So 50 years ago, 70 years ago, whenever this happened, it became a, a, a line in the sand for a new objective reality for some people that experienced it or, or had an ancillary like me, the secondary experience to it because of your belief system from your, the way you were raised. Right. Right. The thought starts getting injected into society right. and people start considering it. And in the beginning, uh, a new thought isn't necessarily welcomed into society. Of course. And I think, I think that's, um, I think that's a built in mechanism. Oh yeah. Because, uh, especially if you acknowledge the fact that everybody does have subjective experiences, you can't just have everybody's subjective experiences all being thrown into the pot and taken seriously straight away because you have total chaos, right? <laughs> what do you mean the light's red? It was green to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, my God, a Bigfoot. Oh, you know, walking over here, went through another dimension. Well, it's interesting you should say that the other day because I went for a ride in a spaceship. You know, and it's, you just have total chaos. Everything, all reality breaks down and people just go insane because they don't have any stability or continuity from one thought to another. Um, so it would make sense to have this kind of smoothing, this, this aggregation, this, this right. error correction system where society as a whole says, yeah, you, you're one subjective experience. I'm sorry, but it's just not valid enough for all of us to consider changing our behaviors uh, based on what you're saying. And isn't that what we see in yeah. in in, a, in the paranormal communities it and is. in the the UFO community? It is. Someone has a profound experience, but it happened to them in a very subjective setting. And just saying that out loud is going that makes people upset. It does because you're saying, well, you're saying it wasn't real. Say no, not when you understand the subjective framework. Something absolutely real um, can happen to you. But if if enough, it's the hundred monkeys thing, right? Right. If if, right. You, if you if it doesn't happen to enough people, then we have this natural error correction system built in where the group says, "No, that's not valid." Right. We we are not going to let that information come into our shared network, and we're not going to change our behaviors on that. And I think that uh, is very evident, and you see that happening. So there's a, there's a lot of conflict. Right. And that conflict is built in. It seems like a natural part of the the, the mechanism. Right. It's just, uh, just the control mechanism, internal built subjective control mechanism where you just, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it reminds me of a story I heard, which is kind of outlandish when you think of it, but it's pretty funny. But I remember in America um, in the 1800s, and I can't remember when it was up to the, in the teens in America. And I could be wrong. I'll have to look this up, but um tomatoes were were thought of as poisonous huh so wild tomatoes would grow or tomatoes would grow but there was the stigma in, in at least in america i'm not, i'm pretty sure it was america i remember reading the story i have to dig it out now but it was that tomatoes are poisonous and you know people would just get rid of them you can grow them you can eat them you just like just it was just basically nuisances and weeds and, and just get it out of there because it was like a nightshade, yeah. a nightshade, you know, it was a nightshade plant, you know, so it, you know, it grew right. and, and people were just, uh, you know, trying to get rid of them at, at all costs, get rid of the, this tomato is just, you know, whatever. And then at some point people were like, 
the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> These are delicious. <laughs> yeah, enough Italians came over to America. I was like, what's wrong with you people? We're making all kinds of sauce and pizza. You're like, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's a, like a tomato. What the fuck's wrong with you? But up that's until awesome. that point, but every time until that point, everybody's like, that's the devil. You know, it's, it's like, we need to get that out of here. You know, it's like the devil's uh, weed or something. It's like. I'd be tomato. fascinated. I'd be fascinated to see if there are reports. Uh, how many people died of tomato poisoning in America? I don't know, but it was a fad. I bet they did. <laughs> yeah, but- I bet they did, dude. You think I, so? I, I oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I bet we could probably look it up. Yeah, 15, 15 children, school children, ate tomatoes on their break and died. You know, like yeah, tomato I'm poisoning sure. in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. like when, when you think of something like that, and like literally, mm-hmm. that's not that long ago. <laughs> that's, that's literally, and that was during the scientific method. That was during all of those things that we hold dear right now. But people yeah. still held those beliefs that tomatoes were poisonous; they're going to kill you. So, what do we do with disincarnate voices? What do we do with uh, objects we see in the sky? What do we do with uh, Marian apparitions or Bigfoot or whatever else you can come up right. with? We, we just, yeah, it's poisonous. It's going to kill us. It's the devil or whatever. You know, every time your uh, core context you have built into your subjective reality, right? But what yeah, if to reject what if, it. Yeah, what if the UFOs are? a way and i think valet hits on this a lot is what if it's a way you know it could be a control mechanism but to control what control your belief in something outside of your subjective reality maybe maybe that's what it is maybe it's enough <clears throat> to get enough people to see it to get enough people to buy into it to get enough people to like you said the hundred monkeys thing to get to the point to like well yeah it's real okay okay it's real now what you know what is it and right we know enough people we know that through science and understanding of our five senses throughout the history that all that's manipulative. So even if it's not something, maybe it is prosaic or whatever, but what if you could do something to manipulate, uh, you know, the human population's perception of an object or something to say, Oh, you mean, you mean like mass media, you could, uh, inject the idea into millions of people to see if it would, uh, Come, come into reality and people believe it. Sure. It's a fascinating concept, John. I don't think anyone's ever tried that. <laughs> We're going to get this thing shut down. Somebody's yeah. going <laughs> to. But it, it's important to recognize the mechanism, right? And I think we've stepped through it in a, in a decent yeah. way. Um, I was going to touch on time. Time. But I mean, that just gets even wilder. Mm. But if you acknowledge the fact that what we call 3D space, it doesn't really exist. It, it, it's a bunch of electrical signals coming into the brain, you know, just like Lawrence Fishburne said when he was trying to explain the matrix, uh, you know, to Neo. He's like, yeah. you know, what is reality? If you mean the electrical signals that come from your five senses, then, you know, that's that, that's all it is. Mm. And that is what we experience. And then if you right. look at the concept of time, which is intrinsically attached to space, mm-hmm. um, then you 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 face another paradox there because you've got this okay uh, there's the past check there's the future check okay they meet in the middle right which is apparently where we exist what where <laughs> that what, what is not, the transition now, point now or now yeah no no now no now now? Not then, no now. <laughs> now <laughs> but again, <though. laughs> it's 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 a complete paradox, right? You cannot explain it. Um, and again, in these religions, they you know they say it's 
uh, the Eastern philosophies, they say that uh, well, there is no time. You're like, ah, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> and all you are doing is moving from one experience to another. Mm-hmm. And the best way to visualize that, the the best analogy is the idea that um, you're uh, just like watching a movie or reading a book. Right? The entire story is contained within the book. Mm-hmm. And you can hold the book in your hand and you could call that book, you know, your life from birth right. to death. Now, you can't just kind of look at that book. Well, certainly not at the level we're at. You can't look at that book and absorb everything in one go and have that whole experience. You have to reach word by word, page by page in a, in a kind of a linear way to understand the relationships between the events, the continuity of the events to, to go from birth to death right. and have a whole life experience, right? Of course. So um, it's just the illusion of time in that we are uh, we are moving from one experience to another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's block universe theory, right, which kind of goes into these ideas. So if that's of interest to anyone, something you can go and look at, um, which kind of a little tangent here, it really kind of makes me suspicious of time travel ideas. Because people, you know, people say, well, you know, people in the future can come back to the past. Like, well, time doesn't even exist. So I'm <laughs> so already confused. So they're here, so they're here now. Well, also, <laughs> if if at any point in the future, any point, I mean, you can go on to infinity, and I've got a problem with infinity too, but we won't get into that. Um if at any point in the future someone had developed time travel, they would have come back. We'd know. You'd already know. Right? And like, well, they haven't done it yet. What do you mean yet? <laughs> <laughs> there is no yet. <laughs> now, excuse me. I've got to go take some more mushrooms. I've got to work this out. <laughs> there is no yet. Right? It's uh, And you really start to get in, into these um, these paradoxes, these problems. And even in uh, in physics, um, a lot of, of physicists do, do acknowledge, you know, it's the reason we have quantum physics and we have, you know, classical physics, because all of the ideas around classical physics just fall into this pit of, of infinity or, and like all the math just collapses as right. soon as you get too small. Newtonian physics just collapses at some point it, and it has to, but then that's, right. where you, that's where you come into like, you know, try, I mean, you and I are, are in it, right. And we yeah. would like to say that we have a good concept of, you know, technology to the state of the art. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. basically we keep up with everything, right. Try to explain a quantum computer to your 82 year old father, right. Try to explain yeah. it to your, your 15 year old daughter. you like, Try to explain to anybody. I, I can barely, I, I, I can barely yeah. wrap my mind around it at all. But yet they're still producing the first commercial model that's going to go on sale next year. Yeah. Be- well, because they have the quantum uh, quantum cookbook. They say, look, we just know if we do this, this, we get that. Right. And, uh, you know, on a probability curve. And so we can use that. We can work with that. We don't right. really have to understand everything that happens. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, I just... I was married once and uh, we loved each other very much. And, uh, you know, kissy face. And now I've got two kids. I don't know. <laughs> bing, bing, boom. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But, uh, yeah, it's all good. I've got two beautiful daughters that I love very much. So, you know, don't worry about the rest. 
No. But uh, you get a result. It, but yeah, that's yeah. kind of the quantum cookbook, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most eloquent way to describe a quantum computer that I could come up with. You're, How no, do you like that, Jack Safradi? <laughs> I guess you, tell me I don't know a damn thing. <laughs> I didn't get a phone call from 1952 telling me I would solve the Tic Tac mystery in 2022. I didn't need no alien implant to no. make me that smart. Oh, my I've God. I've had half a beer. Now you, tell, <laughs> now you tell me what else you need solving. Oh, I'll take care of that for you. Right down that daddy. formula. Right down that formula. <laughs> but, I, tell you, I tell you, but, but the, the thing is that, that bothers me with that is that that shit's at least 50 years old. Like Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's at least 50 years old that that shit's been in the hands of our government, the United States government. They've been fucking with that forever. And I know for sure that at least 15 years, at least 15 years ago, China had a quantum computer on a fucking satellite. It's still up there that they, oh, have, they have quantum yeah. communications that you can't hack. I mean, there's so, uh, you know, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> no, attach AI to that and then. And then you get two two more babies, two more yeah, kids. Yeah, oh, right. four, oh, in different <laughs> dimensions. Who the fuck yeah. knows, right? Entangled, like, quantum entangled yeah, kids. Yeah. That, that's what it is. They can speak to each other in a language only twins teach each other. Quantum. Uh, your your view your viewers right now are like, what the fuck am I listening to? Every, every video I have ever had, my viewers are like, what the fuck am I listening to? But that's what's cool about it. I don't give a shit. I mean, I just, I just, I, I enjoy uh, people, and I enjoy being real and honest is with everybody I could possibly be. And I think that's really the secret to share. I think that's part of it is to share the experience, to share the joy, to share the love, to share the pain, the hope, the sorrow. Yeah. I think that's really uh, what it's all about, man. I really do. Ex well, explore. Explore as well. I, I think yeah. there's this amazing uh, pressure these days with social media. You, you don't say anything unless you can, um, unless it's 100% true. And you have to be able to back it up. Uh, and uh, you say a word wrong, someone's going to like tear you to shreds. And there's no, um, th there's no space. For people to be able to say, "Hey, I'm I'm dancing along here. I'm trying to learn. I'm going to make lots of mistakes." Right. Oh yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's, it's like it's, the shaman thing. It, you know, I think we go back. We could take that back to the, sh the shamanistic thing. I think we need more of the Eastern culture thing in that regard. Where, like you, like you, exactly like you just said, there's no space for the outlier. Right. There's right. no space for the outlier in the cyber world. Right. Or or the social media world where, you know, oh, all right, well. You know, this guy's or girl's, you know, has wild accusations or experiences or whatever, and immediately they're shut down. Same thing we do in the Western culture, right? Well, basically, the cyber world, the Internet, whatever is built on the Western influences, right? I mean, obviously, this shit didn't come out of a cave in Tibet. You know, or it'd be right. completely different, <laughs> right? Right. right? Obviously, it's built on the Western you know, uh, framework for what we believe is uh, objective reality, right? Um, so, how do you, how do you merge the two? And and I think it just comes down to individual people, and maybe it does take each of us being able to be accepted. You know, accept somebody. You don't have to hold a, you know uh, hold them up as um, the next messiah or hold everything they say is true, but at least 
be compassionate enough to and empathetic enough to entertain the idea that they're going through something that maybe we we can't we can't relate to or experience and it's not that they're wrong or bad and, and it just doesn't sync with us but there's no need to uh, shame them or dox them or you know throw them under the bus or you know uh, ostracize them or whatever but i mean and ultimately if it can become something that's detrimental to you or you, you know you, you can't relate to it and you just can't obviously you just you know disregard it because if it's dragging you down or you know holding holding your beliefs in a way that you can't relate to it but man we just we're real quick to be like that guy's crazy or this girl's oh yeah or whatever you know and and that's worldwide which is sad yeah when i think whenever you get new information you feel like under this pressure to make a judgment call on it as soon as you receive it and um if you don't do any kind of research you you can't do that you no. you have to take information you have to just gather it together and um and just say i don't know um I, I think from an experiencer standpoint as well, you do have to acknowledge and sort of push back on the experiences a little bit and say, look, uh, I'll listen to you, but I'm not going to listen to you if you sit there and just start proclaiming all of these truths right, right, about right. It. it. I'm totally fine with you saying, I don't know what that was. I mean, I've, I've had experiences. I had an experience about five or six years ago. I'm walking down my driveway. I'm just taking the trash cans out on a Sunday night. It's dark. And I've been in the house a good six or seven years. So I'm very familiar with the topography, the, the landscape, the mountains around me. And up in the sky, there is a diamond of four lights, perfect diamond of four lights. And I know there is there aren't any houses there. It was much higher than, than the mountains. That's so just sky, and, right? Sky. Yeah, it's yeah, just sky. Yeah. And they weren't particularly far away. I mean, they looked like they were in within a mile or so. And they're just there, just in the sky, a diamond of four lights. And I, I stop and I look at them for a bit. Well, I, well, that's weird. And I put my trash can <laughs> there. Like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I walk up my driveway and I turn around and I stand and I look at them. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> That was your moment. That was your Kundalini moment right there. That, that was, it was right that was there. It. it was like the, one of those little cracks, you know? Yeah. And, um, but to this day, I don't know what it was. It was, it was your, it was your world. You just shaken. Like that was it. But then you right. said, they, you said, fuck it and walked in the house. Didn't you? You're like, yeah, what else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, I'm just going to go back inside again. They're yeah. not doing anything. They're not going to fly down, talk to me. They're not, it's just a perfect diamond of, and it was a large diamond. It wasn't like some little cluster. It was a large diamond. White lights, bright lights, white, green. Yeah. White lights, bright, white. much brighter than the stars behind them. Um, no noise. If for no apparent reason whatsoever. And I, I look at that now and I wonder to myself, did I have a subjective experience? Did anybody else see those lights? Right. Um, and I had no framework for that before. But I'm not going to start running around saying to everyone, that was a UFO or that was an angel or that was because I don't know what the fuck it was. Right. Oh, yeah. But it was something. Well, that's good. I mean, that's that's a that's a great place to be. And I know we talked about this in the chat today because I brought it up, and this is hilarious. But like Nick Hinton and I were hanging out at my deck, yeah. right? Yeah. And this is, I think it was last summer, and we're hanging out, and you know, we're talking, and it's been, you know, it's getting dark. It's dark now, right? It's dark, and we're hanging out, and 
I've seen this a little bit before, but it's like um, James Ian Dooley did a video on it about flash bulbs, right? So like you're yeah. looking at the sky and it's just like, it looks like a flash bulb going off. And there's videos of it all over. You can look online, mm-hmm. just, just a poof, poof, poof. And you're like, what the, what is that? It looks like, a, you right. know, an old school flash bulb going off, you know? And I've seen, I, I, had, I had seen it before as well, but you know, Nick is sitting, I'm sitting with my back to the house and Nick is sitting, you know, like I'm facing you and he's sitting there. And we're talking and it's just it's just going boom, 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 all around him. I go, Nick, turn around. And he turns around and he goes, Yeah. Fuck it. I, I just ignore that shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh, <laughs> it's like it's somebody, just, the sky's exploding behind you. Like, yeah, fuck it. I it just happens all the time. I don't know. It's there's just only like, so eh, many, there's eh. only so many cell phone videos you can take of that. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, it's just it's, it's just fuck it. I don't care anymore, you know. And it's right. just like, well, at some point, the the crazy uh, uh, diamond experience you have or whatever experience, it's like, ah, it's fucking part of my reality now, you know. Right. And Nick is one of those one of those people that has gone so far out beyond uh that objective experience ripley my cat she likes to come and join in on Zoom <laughs> stuff. there she is hello hey. go away ripley you cannot be on the internet you're, you're not above 13 years old oh my god good all right you. sorry about that no but, it's all uh, right yeah nick is one of those people he's just gone so far out beyond uh any of this you know worrying about if if something is one thing or another thing uh, you know, oh, I, lo- I love it man because he's just it, it, yeah i think once you get to the point where you just welcome it it comes in but that's scary too i mean because you're right. asking for it at that point you yeah. are honestly asking for it. And, you know, you get on these podcasts where Semi Van and all these other guys are like, you know, you shouldn't do CE5 and you don't know what you're bringing in. And, you know, maybe they do know a little bit more than we know, but maybe, but maybe not. But, but you, you get into that whole, uh, you know, what, what are you interacting with? You know, and I've had a couple positive experiences doing CE5 in group settings where we've had mm-hmm. orbs come, orbs come in, right? But what is that? You know, right. You know? And, and has your, you know, if you if you're into the CE five stuff, and uh, you know, or, you spend heist—that's what they call it now. Heist, you know, the human initiated con- Yeah, human oh, initiated cool- contact. Yeah, when I want to get CE five has got the Greer uh, dirt stamp on it, so they don't want anybody talking oh, about. Oh, jeez, so, change the acronym, yeah. rebrand, change, rebrand, change, change, UAP, UFO, USAO, USAO, John. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you spend time doing that stuff, I know James specializes in that stuff. You know, he's yeah. he's got a, a long history and he's really oh, dedicated yeah. to that. Um, is your intent creating something? Of course, it is within your reality. Yes. Um, so the first question is, how subjective is that experience when you do it with other people? And we and we know this again from studies, right? You right. multiply intent the yep. more people that you add. As long as you have good focus and you're able that all the people in your group are are disciplined enough to really be able to stay on point. You know, one plus one doesn't equal two, it equals three. And then you add another, you know, and that's the power of six. Then you add another and that's the power of twelve. It seems to be this exponential growth rate when you get focus it's and the same intent. As, as prayer, right? When you get enough exactly. people to go, it's the same and, thing I as mean, prayer, right? How many experiments are out there where they're like, oh, yeah, we got this plant over here and everybody pray for that plant. And, and everybody then, yells at this one. And yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and they, they, they show it happening. So, 
what you've got is you've got interactions between energy systems and this this gets to another point you know again going back to eastern philosophies and this this is the one that really kind of like smacked me about the head this, this was the one that took me a really long time to buy ripley there you go <laughs> Uh, this is it really like I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it and it was the idea that thoughts uh, i don't want to say actually i shouldn't say thoughts because thoughts are kind of from the conscious mind right so let's say intent okay or or, or emotion mm-hmm. something much more visceral such something deeper down create the objects in your reality hmm and I'm like, what? I mean, what, what do you even mean by that? I mean, I know I hear the words. Right, right. But surely you don't mean what the words sound like you're saying. Um, and if you, you look at the uh, the Seth Speaks uh, books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote it down here so I wouldn't forget it. Yeah. As you read the words upon this page, you realize that the information that you are receiving is not an attribute of the letters or the words themselves. And that's, we do that every day, right? We right. read words. We understand what the words mean. They're representative of something else. An so object, a word, or a person, place, thing, whatever. Yeah. A, an emotion, a fear. Yeah. Um, and yes. We've right? distilled, we've distilled a, a, a unlimited amount of senses into a very short um, cryptographic thing that we can read and understand. A symbol. Yeah, pretty much right. symbology, and, right? Yeah, right. And and again, we have this fracture where we're so, oh, okay, well, that's words and language. But when you start talking about symbols and symbology, it's like, oh, I don't understand that. But so you do because you do it every single day. The <laughs> yeah. alphabet is a bunch of symbols, <laughs> right? And you assemble them all together uh, to to express different thoughts yeah. and ideas. Yeah. Um, but then. The Seth Speaks thing carries on and says, words are methods of expression. So physical objects are in a different kind of medium. And that, I just, it took me so long to wrap my head around this concept that physical objects are rendered in your subjective reality and they are a representation of an intent or an emotion. And until you build the framework of understanding that your entire witness subjective reality is actually a result of what your brain builds anyway, then it kind of opens the door, I think, for the Western mind, for the for the materialistic mind, to understand this possibility that you can absolutely create something that appears in your physical in- reality in your physical reality because it is generated out of all of the same signals that your brain uses to build what you witness every single day. Now, the trap there that we fall into a lot is saying, oh, well, you're just saying I'm making it up. It's like, whoa, hold, slam the brakes on there. Listen to what everything we just discussed. You, in, in that context, you're saying you make everything up. Right. Right, so you yeah. can't you, you can't just switch lanes whenever you feel like it. But again, we've been programmed to think this way in our mm-hmm. culture. We have. 
so now we've got this idea that I can generate things, very, very real things, within my own subjective experience at least. At least that, right. Now, if I'm extremely good at this, my intent, my will, could potentially manifest it in another person's subjective reality. One person, 10 people, 100 people. How good am I? Exponentially, like we said, the multiplications of it. Then you could walk on water. All right. Or I could uh, feed a lot of people with a couple of fishes, a couple of loaves of bread. You can heal the sick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, water into wine. Um, that's that's kind of how that works. Right? So it really starts to shatter your world when you start to to look at these things and, and take them into consideration. Um. So well, it, does, right. it does, but not for the Eastern culture, <laughs> the Eastern part of right. the world. That's just another another day, you know. Where they're like, "Well, duh, well, yeah, <laughs> duh, that's that's how reality exists," and that's, it's very hard to argue happen. against it. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard to argue against it. You can't, and and like you say, you you know, there are plenty of scientific uh, studies that have taken place that have shown the reality. Yes. reality you're like oh shit i can't use that word anymore right, right. um right. of of intent and will manifesting in very very real ways in our world yes now i think anyone listening to this could say ah yeah well but you know you didn't get a thousand people to all sit around and meditate and you know uh, uh, and make a dinosaur pop into existence dino beavers <laughs> Ooh, good point <laughs> Only, only ambling, ambling yeah, dino beavers, uh, though, very yeah, slow yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're like, okay, no, that's a fair enough argument. Right. But how many of those people believe they could do that? Right. Because it's not about knowing. Uh, sorry, it's not about believing. It's about knowing. Right. Because so that- be- believing is an intellectual thing. Right. Knowing is a visceral thing. And uh, it's a right brain thing. That's where you get to the whole right brain, left brain thing. And so, like, it, right. it, it, it divides back into the that's where um, the religions of renown have held power for all these millennia, right? Where you get a thousand people who believe that no, they know, they know, but they also believe, right? So they believe uh, you've got to get them there. Yeah. Yeah. So right. they, be- they believe because they're showing up and they know that this is going to happen. They know that, that, the Eucharist is Jesus's body and blood, right? They know mm-hmm. that and they believe it, right? So when they right. when they do that, so is it? Well, I don't know. Is it? If it is to to them, to them, right? So is it any any less real to anybody else that's not a part of that subjective reality? Possibly, if their subjective reality is exponentially greater than the sum of the whole of all those people that are there, but how you know we we know that humanity from existence has been separated in a duality uh, the the divine feminine the divine masculine the you know whatever you can you can divide it up into a billion different things and i think that is the one of the greatest tricks that or, or control mechanisms or whatever you want to call it that's been played out upon humanity since time immemorial is that 
you can't get in anybody. You can't get everybody on the same quote wavelength to believe one thing or two things. I mean, obviously we can, we can do, you know, water's wet, <laughs> you know, well, sand is dry, yeah. th- things like this. Right. But like, right, but, but not but, obviously though, let me, sorry, I've got to interrupt oh, yeah. you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not obviously because you've actually shown example that they are perfect examples where everybody is on the same page and it, it's where you start to try and shoehorn people into beliefs. That's where you can't get everybody on the same page, right. but there seem to be visceral accepted values and understanding about our world um, that, that everybody does believe in. And so it's where we all dream the same dream and we make it very, very real. Mm. So the fascinating idea about that is if you could do something that could convince not convince. God, I got to watch my words. <laughs> if you could, could do something that would inject a knowing mm-hmm. into the root reality rendering engine okay. of every human being on planet Earth, that people could fly, could we all just fly? Maybe. And the materialists will say, well, the laws of physics don't allow for that. It's like the laws of physics could also be a part of this rendering engine. Exactly. So when do you, when do you stop, when you start losing beliefs in the laws of physics, does that change corporal reality? Probably. Yeah. But I mean, you, you have to break through again from, from uh, believing to knowing. So and that's it, what, so that's what the materialistic standpoint comes into play as as far as subjective reality and science. Where we talked about this earlier, where I can repeat this experiment in France, I can do the same thing over here in Budapest, and right. we can do we can do this thing in China, and it's repeatable, and whatever. So until we've subjugated ourselves to believe in more of a sacramental type of reality where this equals that. And if that's, if this doesn't equal that, then it doesn't exist via science or the, the scientific method. Right. Right. And they've tried to, uh, yeah, we've tried to hijack the, the, the high ground on that, the intellectual high ground. Right. Right. This doesn't fit into this box and it doesn't exist. But so if you start manipulating that science box, that repeatable scientific method box or not hijack, but I mean, if, if you could use the five senses, the manipulation of the five senses to hijack that scientific box by making things appear in the sky. Yeah. I mean, it gets into creepy territory, right? It gets into very. <laughs> it gets, it's MK Ultra, right? It's his mind uh, control. It's it's all that shit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one more thing I kind of wanted to bring into that sort of whole sort of objects. You, you got know, a real meme. You got a real meme. I, I know we're on tangent. <laughs> this is why I had to write a bunch of this stuff down because it just it flies off all over the place. Um, it, there's a there's a great book called The Cipher of Genesis. By Carlos Carlos Suarez. Suarez, I, I got that. Okay, Cipher right. of Genesis. Okay, uh, fantastic read. I highly recommend it for anyone who's kind of interested in the stuff we're talking about today. Um, one of the things that he tries to present in this book 
he presents a lot in this book about what Genesis really means. It's pretty wild. Right. But one of the things he points out is the, the ideas around the, the Hebrew alphabet. Um, Katav Ashuri, I apologize to anyone who can pronounce that better if I butchered that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Hebrew alphabet, it's a variant of the Phoenician uh, alphabet. Okay. And he points out the idea that not only we already know that letters and numbers are shared by the same um, symbol in in Hebrew alphabet, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But he explains that in Hebrew, if you pronounce the sound of the letter correctly, then in a cymatic way, that sound generates the shape of the letter wow interesting let that sink in for a second so now we have got sound which is harmonics which is energy Mm -hmm. creating a shape which is also a letter and also a number wow wow and that think of the elegance of of a communication system like that it's math it's language it's form it's energy and all of these things are transmutable backwards and forwards so it's not just one way it's another way and we you know we already understand that every shape every physical shape in what we consider to be reality resonates and puts off its own frequency Frequency, its own harmonic right so the shape is the harmonic the harmonic creates the shape and then we've got the idea that we have this language that creates a sound very ancient language that creates a sound which creates the shape which is the symbol of the language (laughs) i'm just like ah (laughs) like what the hell basically you're speaking things into existence at that point speaking things into existence right so um Physical existence. Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, there was the word, right? Just like, oh, my God, stop making these connections. You're freaking me out. (laughs) (laughs) But Tune in next week, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But these are all the things we've been told. We've been told this in countless doctrines, in countless philosophies from all over the world. And I love finding these common denominators. So now we have these idea that, okay, we, we know that we know that objective reality doesn't exist. We've proven to ourselves that our entire existence that we witness is built inside of our mind. Um, there is no time. And we're accepting the idea now that you can actually um, will and intent things into existence, at least in your own subjective reality. Be <laughs> a word. And, and those physical objects are actual representations of the intent with which you created them, whether you did it consciously or subconsciously. You have to watch your thoughts and your words. You have to watch your thoughts and your words. So I'm going to tell you something. I think you and I have talked about this in private, and John Warner told me this. And it's I'm sure it'll come out in one of the... Um. We did three hours while we were at the at the at the uh, farm, uh, and it, it, I'm sure it's in one of those conversations. But from what John was saying is that, 
and and I'm not going to get into the specifics of who and what and where and how and all all of that, but basically, humans. Um, this is this is from John. That humans um, are valued all over the cosmos because of this ability. And this is interesting that we've tied this into this that because of the ability that, for example, um, let's just theorize here that there's a uh, uh, a different set of rules in, in physics for another advanced race somewhere else that mm-hmm. whenever they walk into a room, everything that is needed is created at that moment mentally or via words or telepathy, whatever you want to come up with. Right. So we can use this, uh, we can speak the words, the sounds, the vowels, create this table, this chair, this microphone, all these things that are around us. Right. But they're there for the, the only in proximity to your create your periphery of it, right. Your creation of it. Right. So these are all here. As soon as I walk out of here, all this disappears. Right. Right. Yeah. You're rendering. You're rendering. Of, yeah. You're mediating of this. Yeah. So from what John told me that he's heard from whoever is that humans are valued and used as a commodity at some point, because when we do the same thing and walk into a room, we create the same rendering that we are here. You and I here, I'm wearing this shirt, this, this coat, this hat, this, these headphones, whatever. But when I walk out of this room and you and I walk out of this room, this stuff is still here. Oh. This this is this is still a physical object that's still present. Mm. And nobody and apparently nobody that's else a, and no apparently nobody else can do that. That's a so, lot of power. So that we are coveted and 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 sought after and, and used for the creation of this uh, mm objective reality that exists in our proximity that we can manifest. So eh, we're just going to, this whiskey glass exists. (laughs) And and when I walk out of the room, it's It's still still going to exist. It's still here. (laughs) Yay, humans. (laughs) But when these Octurians, whoever the hell walk out, that shit goes with them, right? They're like, like, how do we get more of the whiskey? What's going on? Right. So fucking amateurs. I'm just putting it out there. I mean, <laughs> I haven't done that of, before. I, I'm just saying that. Like, wow. I'm. I mean, that is new information that's been presented to this year. Like you said, you you take everything in and you see where it fits. And but if you put that in, in the context of what we've been discussing, like, it's amazing, right? So if we have this innate ability to create solidic objects with our objective thoughts, words, speech. Emotion, intent. emotion, intent, and right. and when we do it, well, what do humans? Unco- what, unconsciously. what do humans do? <laughs> like what, what, if, what if humans always done since the beginning of time? It doesn't matter how advanced we get. What do we always do? We create. We can't stop creating. We can't right. stop building shit. Yeah, and exploring. I mean, it's yeah. just it's what we do. So it's certainly an interesting it's way a concept, of looking it's, at it's it. A, it's an interesting concept. I mean, even if it's just complete nonsense it's still a a, a nice um paradigm well, again you don't you don't have to know. take it literally either um, no. it's important to look at these things in allegory right um because so many of the lessons that are taught and and uh survive the tests of time are allegory because 
Right. Language changes, concepts change. Um, the way we look at the world changes. So you have to build lessons into these timeless uh, communications that, that right. continue to stand up. Um, of course. And if you look at, you know, if you look at the, the evidence that, you know, c- coming together, communing to amplify the right. power and the, and the um, solidity of the experience that you create, then you start to understand then the Eastern idea of we're not separate. Um, it, it's like, I love the idea of like, you know, there's all these little branches on a tree, right? And you're one little branch, you know, waving in the wind over there. I'm a little branch. Oh, what's up, John? What's up, how's it going over there? And uh, and I say to you, you know what? I am an individual. <laughs> I am completely separate from all things, you know? And you look at me, you're like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I could see all look the way down. down from you. Look down. I can see all the way down from you. You go all the way down to the thicker branch, a thicker branch, a thicker branch, all the way down to the tree, and the tree is planted in the earth and the root system. Roots go the down, way down. Yeah, they're connected to the, you know, the uh mycelium network and, and so on and so on. So I think the proof is almost there, the fact that we can come together to amplify intent it means that you are all actually connected and you're just, you're resonating together in a, in a, a stronger way. You're turning up the volume. There's more voices in the choir, right? More yeah. voices singing that song into existence. Well, that's what, I mean, this is crazy. And, and I know everybody gives the long, a lot of shit, but you know, one of the things, I mean, I went to see um, him. Oh, I don't know what year it was, but when he did his, you know, Angels and Airwaves tour before the new album, you know, and they played, he plays this um, thing at, you know, like midway through the concert where it was like just this female voice that comes on. It's like, you know, it, science has proven that everybody, when they attend a concert, everybody's wavelengths sync up mm-hmm. to whatever, whatever. I don't know if it's alpha, theta, whatever, but, you know, everybody's on the same wavelength and, you know, all oh, this yeah. stuff. Now, you know, somebody recorded it and I actually have it on one of my my videos, believe it or not, but you know, it's like the power of that, of music and the resonance and the sound and getting right. all, all of that group of people together to be on that same type of, you know, wavelength, uh, you know, and I keep saying wavelength, but, you know, the frequency or whatever, you know, the rhythm, the, the field or whatever. But yeah, you, it's like a sympathetic, um, a sympathetic uh, synchronicity of, of uh, resonance. Like ex- everyone's exactly. starting to vibrate at the yeah. yeah in the same way yeah absolutely. right right and that's powerful i mean that's a powerful thing i mean that's when you, you go back to even the you know the tribalistic drumming in the rhythm right. and the sounds right. and you get you get into all of Flow. those things yeah Flow state. And you get into that and it's like those are the type of things that can change the world you know and why why are so many experiences connected to flow state activities, music, art, dance, right. painting. There, are, I mean, there are so many flow state activities you can do. But if you start looking at the statistics of experiences, you, it'll pop out to you real quick. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. So again, it's not this. We're not making massive leaps here, right? You just got to connect the dots and you got to just start looking at the way we experience reality, the way we experience each other, the way we interact with each other, 
and and drop all of these absolutes around um, materialist reductionism, and then things start becoming a lot clearer. Right, and then you can see why these cultures don't have any problem with the idea of <laughs> oh yeah, there's grandma's spirit come yeah, uh, yeah. walking on by today, yeah. because oh, they uh, understand the like fundamental it's a shaman, framework. Bring him over, yeah. Bring the yeah. bring the shaman kid over, yeah, 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 yeah. And because they believe it, they reinforce it. So it's a it's a biofeedback loop. Mm-hmm. So, and if, I think if you look at reality keep saying the word reality but i think we've addressed what we mean by reality right we look at it as a biofeedback mechanism but the bio isn't you you are the intent generating the objects and the reality the the bio is is the feedback saying yeah you're doing it right look and then and then that reinforces it spreads out more and more and more Amplifies and you start to and spreads right and solidify it right yeah. so all right so we've acknowledged that uh yeah you know we create the universe uh, another big <laughs> deal and um and we're all connected we're all we're all part of it and we we can all resonate we can experience as individuals as an individual branch on the tree and that seems to be a very important part of our experience it's very deliberate right but we can all come together and we can literally manifest whatever kind of reality we want. So if we're all connected, what does that make the alien? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> looking at your face like shit. I'm supposed to answer this question that that that's the biggest question right there because we we keep uh, saying oh, I, I have the answer. Jealous. Uh, but it's not separate from us. Still jealous. Yeah, because we're cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can make shit up and walk away, and it's still there. Yeah, that's right. And oh, uh, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, imagine being the most sought after thing in the entire known universe and every other universe but not knowing anything about it <laughs> imagine being like this 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 most sought after like wondrous thing that can manifest reality via thought emotion sound and then amplify it when you create unification with more of us but just have no fucking idea that you can do any of that and then just well, us, I mean, just you, us wandering around going, oh, yeah, whatever. Just and randomly just, making yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, just making shit like, oh, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> that's that's us. That's literally humans. Right? It's just like, ah, fuck you and fuck you too. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, then, you know, there's this whole entire realm of reality that envies but isn't us that whatever, right? Like, isn't that terrifyingly dangerous, though, yes, as well? Yeah, but how would you tell anybody that? How would you tell anybody that? Right. Right. Yeah. You couldn't. You couldn't. Right. You UFOs aren't real. I need to go manifest some pee. <laughs> this is good. No, I think we should kill it right now because this is like if anybody made it through this, thank you. Because <laughs> I can't believe we made it through this. I mean, we could have fifteen more of these, but honestly, I, I think we got like a third of the way through. Yeah. That what we were going to talk about. No, that's good. But, uh, we could, we'll bring John, Luke, and Jenna in, and and yeah, Nick, and you know who else. 
but I think that this is a good, this is a good, uh, like just putting your foot in the door and opening it up enough to get, to get the rest of the uh, conversation because the rest of the conversation is dark and it's not really what you want to listen to. It, it, it absolutely is. And I, I think you made the right point earlier is, you know, pay attention to your thoughts and your intents and your feelings because words right and your words yeah because i really do think that we are creating our world every single moment um and you absolutely create your own subjective reality at the very minimum Minimum. and the, the world you see is the world you're making um and then of course when you start grouping together with other people of intent amplifies then it amplifies and pay attention to the intent of the groups yeah and 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 I, and, I, and and i always try and and like i force myself and everybody's like you're so positive and i'm like no i'm not i'm pushing myself to do it like right i am i'm yeah. really i really am and like you know that whole axiom is you know fake it till you make it that's real yeah. that's real if you if if you really want to be positive and more and happier and more spiritual or like you want more love in your life and all this shit, just fucking pretend to do it and just pretend, keep pretending to do it. And then it's going to happen. That's yeah. literally how you do it, man. You just got to pretend and and put some emotion behind it and feel it because like sometimes it sucks and you don't want to get out of bed and you hate everybody, but like push yourself to just try to love or pretend to say that you love everybody or just do that. And then keep focusing on it. And that's, that's, kind of how i've found out that shit works yeah no absolutely build those neural pathways um by you know doing the behaviors and uh make it a little bit easier each time you know also i mean just ask yourself how you're feeling about stuff you know on a much more regular basis um and it it can it can be so tiny you know You're, you're out for a walk Instead of just being like, oh, I'm out for a walk. I've got, you know, 20 minutes before I've got to be back in the office. Um, if the wind blows on your face, say to yourself, how, how did I, how does that feel to me? Right. You know, um, just pay a lot more attention to what's going on with yourself because you might be creating universes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. We love you guys. <laughs> we'll see you part 14 coming up next, which is going to be amazing. <laughs> We're going to have people from different star systems here. It's going to be nuts. Yep. It'll be a busy room, busy room, but it should be fun. <laughs> hey, Ben, but thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, I know we talk a lot offline and, and we do oh, a lot yeah. of uh, great, great work uh, kind of in the shadows. Oh yeah. Um, but um, I, I, kind of appreciate the fact that uh you know you you're willing to sit down and sort of talk through some of this stuff because it's it's in a very very different place i think to where a lot of people uh are are focusing their attention and i'm just hoping that you know if we start talking about this stuff then people will start considering it and sort of maybe integrating it into their own frameworks of the way they're looking at things. And I know maybe it'll help some people sort of uh, make a few things fit into place. Yeah. And if not, they're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. These crazy (laughs) bastards. What the hell are they talking about? (laughs) Yeah. But you're right. No, I, I, I'm making jokes because you know, if you can't laugh, you can't have fun. And, and I think that's a big part of the whole thing, but you're completely right, man. Like, 
you you got to be able to speak from your heart and from the things that you at least want to have conversations about. You don't have to buy into all of it. You don't have to believe everything hook, lag, and sinker, but at least open your mind to the possibility that all of these things are po- are possible. And even if they're not, or even if they don't fit into your framework, it at least gives you the uh, the bandwidth to be able to think for your own and 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 create your own realities or create your own theories and theses and and find the other people that you think are along your same pathway and man we're here to help if we can and yeah god and god love you if you you know like just do it read more books <laughs> yes. definitely read more books <laughs> right right don't believe everything you read though either <laughs> no no absolutely put it all in the gray bin and see see what sticks yeah, yeah see what sticks and know that you're not alone that's the big thing know that you're not alone yeah and, that, and you can do it you can do it and you can make it and joel thanks for being my friend thanks for being rad thanks for um you know talking about the things that most people don't want to talk about. And thanks for being open-minded enough to start from one end of the spectrum where you did to be where you're at now. Cause that yeah. was hard. That was hard. That's hard for any, anybody, but I mean, it was hard for you and I, I've watched you this whole, this whole time and man, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks dude. I love you, man. It's, it's, it has, it's been a hell of a ride, but you know, you guys, you guys have been there the whole time and we've constantly just bounced ideas off each other and uh, we just keep exploring. And uh, that is the best part about all of this. So yes. let's, let's just keep doing it, man. Let's just keep yeah. doing it. Let's keep doing it. And like no judgment. Right. I mean, yeah, you do what you do and, and at least be there for somebody. Right. That's yeah. super, super fucking rad. I love you, man. Thank you so much, man. All right. Take care, dude. Boy. You too. Good night.